Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Deep Roots at Home podcast. I am so excited to have you here today, and we have a very special guest today. We have Tiffany Boyd. She holds a BS degree in interdisciplinary studies from MTSU. She's the former tenured public school teacher, speaker, homeschool advocate, education researcher, and the founder of Free Your Children LLC and Free Your Children Radio Show. She's the wife of 32 years, mother to five children, grandmother to two, and homeschool veteran of 20 years. So she's a wealth of information, and I'm so excited about what she has to talk to talk to us about today. Welcome to the podcast, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, I would just like to let you just jump right in because I know you have a lot to share with our with our listeners today and you're just a wealth of information. You have a lot on your heart um, that's going to educate our listeners and just um, I know it's going to be a blessing. So just jump right in. Well, as you and I both know, education is a topic that, spra- that spreads wide and deep. And so today, I'm, I'm certain that there may be information that some of your listeners have not heard before. So some of the things that I say today might be a little bit shocking to those that may not have been introduced to some of these topics. But one of the many missions of my ministry for your children is to share the truth and love about education and to encourage and equip parents to be able to disciple and teach their own children. And... I I run into many families and have run into many families throughout my years of homeschooling and and being an educational consultant. And and people will come to me and one of the the first things that they say often is that I really don't think that I'm equipped to homeschool my children. Right. And what a lot of people don't realize is that's not by accident. Our educational system set out Our very first U.S. Commissioner of Education was William Torrey Harris, and he propagated the notion that children were the absolute property of the state. And at this period of time, educational psychology had just come onto the scene. So the experts made it their mission to inform parents that it was their duty to turn their children over to the experts to educate them. So this dichotomy has continued to be cultivated by the educational system that we have today. It's just standard in America for the majority of parents to believe that once your child turns the magic age of five or six, depending on the state where you live, that you need to send them away to the experts to be educated, even though parents are the first teachers that a child has. Right, right, absolutely. So, you know, my ministry is dedicated to telling parents you are equipped. God doesn't make mistakes. He gives us our children and you are the most qualified to teach your children. 
Another issue that surprises parents and the general public at large is that they really don't know what's going on in the public school system. I am a former tenured public school teacher, and I tell people that when we made the decision to begin our homeschool journey, my husband was actually the one that made the decision that we were going to start homeschooling. At that point in time, I was clearly indoctrinated into the educational psychology beliefs that William Tory Harris propagated, and I wasn't on board with homeschooling, but I knew that what I was seeing in the system was wrong, and I was speaking out against it, which wasn't well-received, and we were seeing um, some bullying situations in the school system that was affecting our oldest child at the time, um, a lot of staff shortages. Um, lots of substitute teachers in the classroom because they couldn't keep certified teachers on staff. And so it was just a disaster. So my husband made the decision that we were going to pull our oldest child out at the time and homeschool her. And I listened, we laugh about that and, and say, I submitted that. And he goes, that was the only time. <laughs> <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek, but we, we, we get a kick out of saying that. So Mm -hmm. I, I bent to um, his desire to homeschool and we pulled our children out. And then I really started my own personal journey of educating myself about what was really going on in the educational system, the history of our educational system, which of course they don't teach you in teacher colleges. Right, right. <laughs> so I, I didn't know any of that information. So I really started studying and researching. And then it became clear to me that all of those things that I was seeing as a classroom teacher that I didn't agree with and that I was speaking out against, it was all by design. Mm -hmm. And I get lots of private messages and phone calls and emails from parents across the nation and even sometimes students. Yesterday, I received a phone call from a 16-year-old student in a county about two hours away. And one of the concerns that she shared with me was the bullying and abuse that she has seen firsthand in public schools. And I think that parents do not realize that first, when you turn your children over to the public school system, you are giving the government unfettered access to your children. And as soon as they step foot on school property, in loco parentis applies, which means you are giving the government the authority to act on your behalf in your interest. Hmm. So a lot of parents do not realize that. So they really don't have the knowledge of what's really going on behind those closed doors. And, and in terms of bullying and abuse, you don't hear about it a lot. You hear the mainstream. They always like to point out uh, what they consider uh, how unsafe they consider homeschooling to be, but what's really right. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and there's even been some of that recently in the media because of a documentary that has been circulating. But one thing that you rarely hear reported on is what is really happening in terms of abuse in public schools. I am a monthly contributor to the borough pulse. And two years ago in 2021, I penned an article titled, Public schools, are they safe? And a lot, and that really, that article garnered a lot of attention because people at, in, the, in the community at large do not realize that schools are allowed to self-report. So I want to share, if it's okay, some information that I have from that article that really brings this into perspective. So schoolsecurity.org has this to say 
about what happens in the public school system. It is also important to understand the lack of federal mandatory school crime reporting and tracking law for K-12 schools means that on a national level, no one actually knows in real numbers how many crimes occur on K-12 school campuses nationwide. Federal statistics grossly underestimate the extent of school crime and, vi and violence. So we really have no idea exactly how much criminal activity is occurring in public schools, but we do have some, some statistics. K12academics.com tells us that four out of five children are exposed to sexual harassment or bullying in the public school system. Four out of five? Four out of five. Wow. And wow. then, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's staggering. And this is only what we know of, remember, because right. schools are allowed to self-report. So the American Association of University of Women conducted a survey in which they found, and this was a survey for students grades 8 through 11. And what they found was 83% of girls have been sexually harassed, 83%. 78% of boys have been sexually harassed. And 38% of students have been harassed by teachers or, or school employees. That's, that's staggering. It's Yes, it's very staggering. And it's really mind-blowing when you see those statistics um, in black and white. Fox News also reported, and, and probably some of your listeners and, and followers of your podcast may be familiar with this particular report from Fox News. But in 2022, um, Fox News reported on this, that in 2022, nearly 350 K-12 through educators were arrested on sex crimes nationwide. Wow. Wow. Yes. And so, unfortunately, in the area where I live, and, and I tell parents all the time, all you have to do is Google teacher arrested on any given day and a plethora of news articles will pop up in mm -hmm. your feed. Mm -hmm. So this is pervasive. It's nationwide. There's no area of the country that's being um, affected, not affected. You know, you can't hide from it. It's everywhere. It's just pervasive. Um, and, and, a, and a prime example of that is last year, I believe it was in our local area, we live in Tennessee. So there is a county that is a neighboring county to us. And that particular county in our area was always held up as the gold standard of public education. So people would move all over, you know, the, from the United States, all over to this specific area because of this specific school system, mm -hmm. because it was touted to be so great. And just recently, we had a former elementary school principal who had been demoted to an elementary teaching position who was arrested and indicted on 21 charges last December of rape of a child, aggravated sexual battery, rape, molestation, and especially aggravated sexual exploitation of a minor. And, you know, I tend to think, I tend to think that the South is, you know, I, I think that just me personally, when I think of these, these scandals, I do. I think, okay, maybe in New York, up mm -hmm. north, in these bigger cities, but you're talking about Tennessee. You're talking about deep yes. south, conservative yes. country. Yes, this was in the Williamson County school system. 
And so you can Google that and see um, not too long ago, this particular individual had cut off his ankle monitoring bracelet and they couldn't find him. So this is definitely, you know, happening in areas, like you said, where you wouldn't expect it to happen. The the school where I taught, where I was employed, there was a teacher there. Now, this happened after I had resigned, but this was in the actual school um, where I spent seven years of my teaching career. There was a teacher there that um, disappeared with an underage student, and this launched a nationwide manhunt. Of course, he's now in prison. And his name was Tad Cummins. And there were already reports before he actually disappeared with the student. Another student at the school had witnessed him kissing this particular student that he wound up taking across state lines into California, where he was eventually caught and arrested um, with this minor. So, yeah, it's people think not in my school. And it's such a false narrative to believe that that the issues that are pervasive nationwide are not happening in your school because they are happening everywhere. And you're right. It does happen in big cities. 500 sexual misconduct complaints were filed in the Chicago public schools just mm-hmm. re- you know, over the course of the year. Right. So it, it is in big cities, but it's also in conservative areas and, and places where you small wouldn't town. normally, yes, in small yeah. towns where, yes, because the one that I just spoke about with Tad Cummins, that was in a very rural um, location and school district. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's staggering. And I, and I don't think parents um, really understand the gravity of what, like I said, is happening in schools. I, I almost say if you are expecting to send your child away to the government and for them to keep them safe, you really need to do some deep diving into what's really going on. Because it's shocking. And I think that the general public at large really doesn't know um, a lot of the things that are happening. And this just scratches the surface. There are other initiatives that are going on in education that are just as nefarious and just as concerning. Um, And I've shared about those widely over on the Borough Pulse and on my radio show. But When it comes to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well-baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. There are also other initiatives that are coming down the pike and some are already being implemented and one is the innovative schools model so in Tennessee they have allocated our state has allocated 500 million dollars for this initiative to be implemented which it is and you you are probably familiar with it as well some people know it as career tech career tech I don't I'm not familiar with Mm -hmm. that well, you know, we all remember the vocational classes of the past. Votech is what it used to be called. And I'm almost 50 years old. 
And so back when I was in high school, Votech was a totally different animal than what this innovative schools model or career tech or workforce development is today. So a lot of people think this is a good thing, but what they really don't understand is what this is, is it's the way for UNESCO to be able to control our nation's workforce. So there's nothing good about this initiative. And what it actually does is it actually limits educational opportunities of our children. How so? Well, this model was rebranded from what we knew as Votech in 2006 to be aligned with UNESCO and Common Core. And so what it does is from the time this actually begins in fourth grade um, for children and, and maybe even earlier in some states, what they're doing is they are placing children on a path based on data that is mined from the children. And so all of their educational career is going to be centered around whichever pathway that they're chosen or whichever track that they're chosen to be placed on. So Years ago, education was um, more of a classical approach. It was totally different than it is today. Today, education's focus is on feelings and emotions and creating individuals that are going to fit in the in the wheel, in the big spokes of the right. big wheel of the big machine. So what they're doing is they're conditioning these children to get them ready to place them where they want them in the nation's workforce. So what happens is if you're only taught the information that you need to do this specific job, then oh. you're being robbed of all the educational opportunities that come along with, you know, a, a rich education. So it's really grooming them. Absolutely. That is exactly what it's doing. And what, you know, years ago, everyone had the opportunity to pursue their own interests upon graduation because you had been introduced to a broad topic, you know, a, a broad variety of subjects and information. But with these initiatives, that's not what's happening. What's happening is the data is being used to pigeonhole students into career pathways from a very early age. And then their course of study will be dictated by this data. Then the data is used by the schools and, of course, the Department of Labor to determine their career pathway. Okay, and so they're, they're, all of their coursework is formatted for that particular career, and it just strips away a student's future choices and career opportunities. And I tell parents, this is not the VOTEC of the no. 90s or the 80s that, that we had before. And a lot of people don't... Yeah, it is communism. And and that's why I say it is imperative for every parent. And this is exactly what happens in China, in communist China. Okay. So parents really have to understand the, the educational model that we had today, where it came from. It's a Prussian model. So our whole educational system is founded on Marxism and socialism. This was their goal from the very beginning. I would venture to say they're probably 75% complete on implementing this goal. It is really ramped up and it's moving at breakneck speed. And there've been a lot of federal laws that have been passed to allow and, and amended to allow these things to be able to continue to happen. And one of those was the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act, FERPA, was changed. And now our children's private data can be collected without consent. And any entity in the name of education research 
teachers can access data if the schools choose to give it to them, and they are, and they're handing it over. And then this data is being used uh, to create software and educational programs for, for the purpose of modifying our children's beliefs and values and behaviors. Because education now, you know, the state is not in the business of teaching your child to be a critical, independent thinker. That's not the goal of government schools. Right. The goals of government schools now is to use these SEL programs because that's one of the ways that this data is being um, mined for our from our children. It is to create a nation of children that will go complacently along and be the worker bees and, you know, the person, the people behind the globalist regime are the ones calling the shots and you are just obedient and you go along and don't ask questions and you've been groomed to fit in this global workforce that the states are so proudly advocating um, because parents have been duped into believing that this is going to prepare their children for the 21st century workforce when reality, what it's doing is it is training their children to be obedient socialists. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's Here sad. Yeah, it's sad and it sounds Orwellian um, for a lot of people. But the thing is that you can look all of this stuff up on your own. Yeah. And it's right there in black and white. If you go to the UNESCO website, their goals are right there. <laughs> Nothing, none of this is hidden. The problem is that um, a lot of people have not done their research. And then, you know, for some people, they don't want to believe it because then once you know the truth, you have to do something with the truth. Right. Right. Because but, if your child is in public school. Now, what do you do? You know? Right. So right. If you do. um if you do imbibe the lie that you're not able or equipped to teach your children. So maybe we should spend a few minutes talking about that. Like, you know, what, what does, what about the mom that just really feels like she just can't? You know, I always tell parents, the first thing that you need to do is if you are interested in homeschooling, you need to reach out and find some veteran homeschoolers that will be willing to pour encouragement into you and give you some really good advice. And I'm speaking about um, homeschool veterans that have graduated at least one child so that they can give you what the overall picture looks like. My radio show, the Free Your Children radio show on WXRQ, one of the things that I set out to do with that show is to dispel the myths, the misconceptions about homeschooling. You hear people say over and over again, well, I work full time. I can't homeschool. Where well, there are thousands of working parents who homeschool successfully. And I've had the opportunity to interview those. And they share what they have done and how they make it work within their family. Same thing with single moms. You hear over and over again, well, that sounds great, but single moms can't homeschool. Yes, they can. And I've had the amazing opportunity to interview many of those single moms who have shared encouragement and the things that they've learned along their journey to be able to successfully navigate homeschooling. So that's the first thing that I would encourage parents to do is to reach out and find some veteran homeschool families in their community. There are tons of organizations, including Free Your Children, that can give you resources and information that will help. And then I say tap into your church. Does your church have any local homeschool support systems that they offer and that are already in place. If not, 
I encourage um, families to go sit down and speak to their pastors and tell them that they feel like they're being called to homeschool and ask the church, will you be willing to stand in the gap and help us navigate this? Um, The church overall has not done a good job of realizing the importance of a biblical education and what, why it's important for parents to disciple and teach their own children. I wrote an article about that called The Elephant in the Room. So I would really try, um, if you don't have a church that isn't supportive or has resources, I would really, you know, have a conversation with your pastor and encourage him um, to reach out and and really dig deep um, into what the scriptures say about education. You know, alarmingly, we have so many of our youth falling away from the faith. And depending on which survey you look at, you're looking at upwards of 70 to 80% of our nation's youth that are falling away from the faith. And the reason why is because they are spending 40,000 plus hours of their formative years in a system that teaches them that Christianity is a lie. And so if we don't do something to stop this, we're not going to have any disciples to create because all of our youth will have fallen away from the faith. So we really are in a crisis situation with this. Yes. And I really encourage you know, um, churches to get on board with recognizing this and really encouraging and equipping parents to accept you know, this responsibility of discipling and teaching their own children. So those are some things um, I recommend. I also recommend if, if a parent feels like they have been called to homeschool, stop and ask yourself, what do you hope to accomplish? Yeah. Because for our family, the most important thing for us is to make sure that our children are fully discipled, that they can defend their faith, that we have, um, used apologetics to teach them, you know, what we believe, what we stand for. And in that way, when they're launched out into society, they have the tools that they need to be able to do just that, to defend their faith and to win others to Christ. So for us, everything that we do from a homeschool standpoint, there's no way to separate God out of what you do. So everything that we do includes him. Um, Every subject that we teach, you know, everything comes from the place of, you know, the Bible is the inerrant word of God, you know, it's infallible. And, And so all of our education is based around a biblical education. Now, I will say this, the secular homeschool community is growing at large numbers. So it's not just Christians that are homeschooling and there's resources everywhere Um, to answer, you know, questions that parents may have or to offer the support that they need. So I would just really encourage them to tap into those resources and also to choose which homeschool method you think your is best suited for your family. And it may even vary from child to child. Right. And I've written and I've written about that too. You know, one thing that homeschool parents want to do from the very beginning is go out and pick a curriculum. And I always tell them, don't put the cart before the horse. Don't go out and spend tons of money on a curriculum until you have decided which homeschool method or model you think is going to work best for your family because they vary widely and they don't all look the same and specific curriculums fit better with specific models. And then for some models, you don't need net curriculums aren't even necessary depending on what you choose. And, you know, I would add to that to be okay with switching too. You know, absolutely to look at the first year, at least the first year, if not yes. the first couple years as a trial and error. 
yep. figuring out what works for your family and what doesn't work for your family and, and really do that research. And, you know, I know, see, I was taught at home from sixth grade on and, right. and this was back in the days when homeschooling was not popular. I'm, I'm your age. <laughs> as well. I, I'm about to turn 51. Oh, okay. And so I was taught or when, when my mom and dad pulled me out of school, this was back in Minnesota where there was no law. So right. since there was no law. It was assumed that it was illegal, which is, uh-huh. but, um, but I remember, you know, people thought we were crazy and my mom <laughs> had barely, barely been able to finish high school herself. Uh-huh. So uh, if there was anyone that could have said, I can't homeschool, it would have been my mom. But mm-hmm. she was determined, you know, yep. she gave us the best education she could. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I have really over the years as I homeschool my, my own children is realize that success is not what the government schools tell us it is. Amen. You know, so often uh, we think that, okay, success is being able to recite these history dates or be able to mm-hmm. do these math problems. But really, if we can create... Um, us, if we can encourage our children to learn how to critically think mm-hmm. and how to research and how to think outside the box and really be Bereans of the scriptures, we are giving them more of a service than if we had, you know, taken them through the higher calculus and the higher math, math, um, that you, you know what I'm saying? That Absolutely. Yes. What does the way that God defines success? Right. And that's what we're looking for with our children when we teach yes. them is we're not necessarily wanting to even mimic what the public no. school system is trying to have us do. Exactly. You know, that was one of the mistakes that I made when we first started homeschooling because I'd been trained to be a teacher. Okay. Right. So the very first thing that I did was try to recreate public school at home. And if you're listening to this, do not do that. It's an <laughs> epic disaster. <laughs> Learn from my mistake. Don't do it. So yes, I mean, the advice you just gave is spot on. It's the same thing I say. I always tell homeschool families, do not judge homeschooling based off of your first year of homeschooling because you're trying to find your groove. You're trying to find what works best for your family. Also, uh, just like you said, allow yourself the grace and flexibility that if you start with something and you realize that it doesn't work for your family, don't be afraid to pitch it and start with something else. That is perfectly fine. Uh, What you just said, I always say, look at what the public school system is doing and then don't do that. Do something different. (laughs) Do the opposite. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. You know, I really had to unlearn everything that I had been taught about education. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of parents, that really is going to have to occur. I'm a big advocate of de-schooling, um, especially if your children, and not just for the kids, not for the students, but just for the parents as well. The parents need it just as much because if a parent has been educated in the traditional manner as far as being sent to public school or even sent to private school in some instances, you need to be able to understand that what you have been taught about education, education just doesn't have to occur in the room, in the walls of a classroom at a desk for so many hours a day via a textbook or worksheets or memorizing information. There's so much more. There's a different, there's a, difference in school and education absolutely 
And I think that as a society, we have been so conditioned to associate education with school that it's really imperative that parents really make a conscious effort to really start looking at education in general from a different perspective. And it and if children have already been to public school and you're pulling them out to homeschool, they're going to have to de-school too, because that's all that they've known. Yeah. What, you know, they've known to perform like Pavlov's dog, you know, at a bell, you know, like you change happened. classes. That yes. happened with my sister. We, um, first, the first day we sat down to do school, of course, my mom set up a schoolroom. She set it mm-hmm. up like trying to mimic the, the yep. we were Christian school at the time. And so uh-huh. trying to mimic that and have our little schoolroom and our flag and our little desks. And first day, my sister broke down crying and my mom mm-hmm. said, what's wrong? And she said, I forgot to sharpen my pencil. Yep. And, and she thought she was going to get in trouble because she had, you know, forgotten to sharpen her pencil before class started. Mm-hmm. And so my mom did the same thing. She had to learn to de-school, basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is no secret that Jackie loves TRS, but some have asked exactly what is TRS. TRS is a nano zeolite spray that facilitates some amazing things. TRS does not heal anything, but it gently clears the body of toxins and heavy metals, so the body can heal itself exactly as God designed it to do. Why not get to the root cause instead of just applying band-aids? Excellent supplements and individual remedies can help, but they cannot help as much until you remove the root source of inflammation and disease. Detoxing toxins and metals is foundational to good health. TRS is safe for the elderly and for children as well. For more information, go to www.deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. That we're not looking at apples and apples here. Right. And, and I really tell parents, don't skip that step. It is so important. And, and you know, a lot of the advice, most of the advice that I give parents today is the advice that I wish I had had someone give me when I first started homeschooling our children, because we live in a, in a small town in a rural area. And when we first started homeschooling, we were the weirdos too. Yeah. Uh, we didn't know any other homeschoolers that were homeschooling. We didn't know them. It was like finding a needle in a haystack because you have to realize back when we started homeschooling, social, social media wasn't a thing. We had email. Right. And that was the primary method of trying to be able to connect with homeschool families. And there were areas that were, you know, near us, well, relatively close to us that had a larger homeschooling population, but it was 45 minutes to an hour or more up the road. And it just wasn't um, going to happen for us to be able to make that trek, you know, every single day. So we were trying to look for local homeschool families that we could connect with. And it was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. So we were just plodding along and trying to figure things out as we went. And it wasn't like I could sit down at the computer and just Google and have all these resources at my fingertips and have Facebook and homeschool groups. And there wasn't any of that. So, you know, Free Your Children, that was one of the many, my many goals for Free Your Children in the very beginning was to be able to provide parents with what I wished I had had uh, back during those early years. Our church was not supportive of us homeschooling. And then you have to realize too, 
I had left the school system. So, you know, all the people, most of the people that I had worked with, you know, a lot of them considered that an affront, you know, to their calling, you know, why are you removing your child or children from, from the school system? You know, there are individuals that thought, you know, you've wasted your degree, you know, you went to college to be a teacher and, you know, you were tenured because it, during the time that I left, that was the gold standard. That's what every teacher was trying to achieve, achieve was ten, tenured status. And I was giving all that up. Mm. And so people couldn't understand why on earth, you know, that I would want to do that. And then, you know, a lot of people, and I tell people that sometimes there are still a lot of misconceptions about homeschooling. And um, what I what I tell people is if you have family members that are not on board with you homeschooling, you have to remember that the only people that matter are the people, what God has told you and laid upon your heart and the people within the four walls of your home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your children are your responsibility and God has given them to you. And if you feel like this is what you've been called to do, then don't let other people dissuade you from doing that. And, you know, like I said, there are lots of supportive resources out there for homeschool families. And, and I totally encourage parents to tap into those resources because it's hard when you're first making the transition and you feel like you don't have any support, it's easy to give up. Right. And to stay the course, it's so important to have a network, you know, that can answer your questions and walk along beside you and give you what you know you need and the encouragement if if nothing else to stay the course because I've not I've met lots of parents throughout the years and grandparents and now great grandparents that have said to me I wished I had homeschooled my children yeah. but I have never met any homeschool parents that regret their decision of homeschooling mm-hmm mm-hmm Absolutely. And even if I could interject, uh, even going to homeschool conventions mm -hmm. is, is really helpful. Not even necessarily, th there's times that over the years that I would go to the conventions already knowing what my curriculum was going to be. Not necessarily mm -hmm. going to buy curriculum, but just going to speak and talk with other homeschoolers mm -hmm. and be able to connect to that community because then you don't feel so alone. You know, you, feel yes. like you have tapped into a community that understands where you're at and being able to ask questions and um yeah so i would encourage our listeners too to you know to find um local homeschool conventions that you can also take part in absolutely i have had the opportunity of of interviewing um speakers at some of the local homeschool conventions and even some of the executive directors of different um homeschool associations across the nation that are hosting or have hosted homeschool conferences and there's so much so many positive aspects that you can take away from from these conventions and you're right just seeing all the other homeschool families and knowing that you're not alone and networking and making friends and tapping into all the resources that they have available is absolutely you know amazing to be able to make those connections you you touched on something a, a few minutes ago when you mentioned that your mom could have said that she wasn't equipped to homeschool you. And I guess it was your sister. Yes. Because you said she barely had graduated school. Is that correct? Is that right? right. And I think what you said was spot on when you said, but she was determined. Mm. She 
loved you and your sister so much that she was going to do whatever it took to make sure that she gave you <laughs> the education that you need. And the research points to that. You know, Neri has done has done research that specifically points to that, that parents, no matter their educational background, are the most equipped to teach their children because parents, you love your children more than anyone else. And really, you're you're learning alongside your children. Yes. I, how yes. Times, how many I know personally certain history facts that went mm-hmm. in one ear and out the other growing up. But as I'm teaching my own children, it's like the dots are connecting and I'm getting more excited than my children are. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's so funny. <laughs> I'm laughing because if my kids were in the room, they would be in the background shaking their heads because they, they say all the time, are we learning this because you want to know about it? Or <laughs> That's right. And I tell them, well, it's both because it's what you're doing is you're modeling for your children that education is lifelong learning. Right. So, you know, I think a lot of parents may go into this thinking they have to know everything about every subject. No, you don't. No, you you're, don't. And teachers don't know everything. That's why they have a teacher's manual. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing that uh, a lot of people may not realize is oftentimes in the public school system, Teachers don't even get to choose the grade levels or the subjects that they want to teach. And so oftentimes those teachers are placed in grade levels and in subjects that they do not even feel qualified to teach. But that's where their principal or the power that be that made that be that made the decision has placed them. Right. So Parents don't need to feel like they're unequipped or ill-equipped to be able to teach their your, your children because they have teachers' manuals That's right. <laughs> for That's homeschool true. parents, just like they do public school. But most importantly, it's a great thing to sit there, like you said, and learn right along beside your children. It instills a love of learning. Absolutely. Have that that environment where you're excited to learn and you're excited to to just um, you know to just grow in in what yes. you know. and and so. That's what I always said was to, with homeschooling my own children, if I could teach them how to think outside the box and critically mm-hmm. think how to love learning and how to research. Yep. And of course, and that's all under, of course, love the Lord God above. All. Right, exactly. Yes. But, but educational wise, that was um, to me, one of the most important things was can they, maybe, maybe I didn't teach them every single subject of every little nuance of what could, I could have, but if they have an interest in it as they get older, do they know how to get, how to research, how to learn? Mm-hmm. Um, because they can go and they can learn these things for the, themselves. I have a mm-hmm. son that I barely, um, it was very hard getting him through high school because he was so hands-on mm-hmm. as a, um, you know, his whole personality and the way he was designed, he was not a book learner at all. Mm-hmm. It, it was all hands-on. And just to get him to graduate, to, to get through some of those hoops to graduate was like pulling teeth. And he turned out to be the most successful, amazing entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. um, he he runs a shop now. He is very, very successful at a very young age. Uh-huh. And it's because where, where he was gifted, he was able to explore 
and mm-hmm. he was able to learn. And he was so when when you talk about trying to funnel people into these careers, yes, that's a scary thought because mm-hmm. you know we have to look at how our children are gifted. What has God given them to serve here on this earth, and not pigeonhole them into something that we think they need to be. Right, and exact, and you know, I was I had a seminar last night, and, and I spoke about a lot of these topics. And I looked at the attendees and I said, now, I know elementary children that do not, age children, that do not even know what they want for breakfast the next day. (laughs) So how can you be determining what they're going to be when they grow up at a fourth grade level? It's impossible. I mean, I know adults who still don't know what they want to be when they grow up. Right. <laughs> and that should be ever evolving and ever changing because, you know, and I and I say this too, man plans his way, but God directs our steps. So look at me, for example. I plan to be a public school teacher. Right. That's what I went to college for. That's what my training was in. That's what my education was directed toward. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. As a matter of fact, because God had other plans for me. So as a matter of fact, what I do now is speak (laughs) to the masses about these educational topics and encourage and equip parents to do exactly the opposite (laughs) of what I was trained throughout the educational process to be, you know, as an adult. So it does restrict children. It's very nefarious. And I hope that the general public will really listen to this and do their own research. I tell people, listen, What I'm telling you, don't take my word for it. It's all out there in black and white. Take what I've told you. Let that launch you into research mode, just like we had just spoken about. Right. And go do your own research and form your own opinions. But, you know, unfortunately, we know that the school system is not churning out um, a mass number of functionally literate individuals. Right. Um, The nation's report card tells us that we are doing a terrible job as a nation of educating. (laughs) And so when, you know, you ask people, you know, have you researched this? Have you read? If you look at the statistics, we are not creating a nation that, that seems to love learning or a nation of readers. So what's happening is they're just absorbing information, what they're being told, which is socialism, you know, and Marxism within the public school system. And then they're going out and they're not asking questions because they haven't been taught to be critical thinkers. They haven't been taught to be independent learners. And I was recently, excuse me, a guest on a radio show, and they had a gentleman that was a representative from the college that I graduated from, MTSU there. And he was on the radio. I was there to speak about homeschooling legislation in our state that was specifically targeting homeschoolers and and why parents should be concerned and what they should do. He was there to promote a program at the local university in that area that was specifically um, geared toward homeschoolers. Hmm. And, you know, when the radio host was asking him questions and, you know, one of those questions was along the lines of, you know, why do homeschoolers make good college students? And one of the very first things he said was, we want homeschoolers because they're independent learners. Absolutely. Yep. That's right. And and most of them make phenomenal college students because they come in, they're eager to learn because a love of learning has been facilitated, you know, throughout all of the years that they've been homeschooled. 
And then, of course, they've been taught how to think and they've been taught how to research. So the professors don't have to hold their hands like they do a lot of these kids that are coming in into college. And I've seen that with my own children that have launched because we have three homeschool graduates that have gone on and went to college and graduated from college and started their careers. And one that's currently in college and um, what that college professor or or um, the gentleman that was employed by this college was saying is true. I mean, statistically, it has been proven, you know, that that's true. Homeschoolers are outperforming public school students and private school students. And, you know, it's because parents are invested in their education and they are determined, just like your mom was, to provide <laughs> their children with the best education possible and they're succeeding. Right, right. Yeah, and if I could just uh, uh, add one more thing to that is that uh, for these moms that are maybe thinking about uh, jumping off and starting homeschool for the first time, you know, it can be very scary, um, but, uh, thinking about your child and when you're looking at these curriculums, thinking about what individually is going to suit your child most and not being afraid to do something that, that is very outside the box. So for example, my first son, who's now um, almost 26, when I started with kindergarten with him, I had a full curriculum with his whole um, phonics and his reading and his writing and his spelling and his, and all of these things. And I tried to start him at four years old with this, this whole curriculum. And um, I soon realized that he was incredibly smart, but he did not know how to, his motor skills had not caught up with mm -hmm. his, with his brain. Basically. Right. So, mm -hmm. so this particular program was extremely um, heavy in the writing process. So you would learn, you know, A says ah, but then you'd mm -hmm. have to, Right, right, right. Workbook mm -hmm. pages, workbook pages over and over again, all to learn that A says A. Mm -hmm. And I quickly realized as my son was going through these things that if I took the writing away, he could speed through and begin to learn his phonics without mm -hmm. having to be slowed down by that, the fact that his motor skills hadn't caught up yet. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with math, when he, he, he could get these math facts in his head, but he couldn't write them because mm -hmm. his little, his little motor skills weren't developed yet. And so he was able, I began to write for him mm -hmm. and, and he was able to speed through um, huge amounts of schoolwork because I was writing for him. Mm -hmm. So when he, you know, we'd go through the, the, um, you know, the hundred math fact sheets mm -hmm. and, and I'd say, can we do this in five minutes? Well, he never could have done that in five minutes if he'd had to write them all, but, right. if he, but he could spit them out to me and I could write them down. And he felt so successful that way, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you know, I never, and all of this was because I was doing the writing for him. And then of course, as a couple of years went by and his motor skills started to catch up, especially with little boys, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. that takes a little while, then he could start doing his own writing and he could start catching up his writing to where the rest of his brain was. Right. Um, but that is a very outside the box kind of thing to do. You know, um, some people could have said, well, it's not really, he's not really learning it if he can't write it. And I didn't, you know, I didn't believe that. Right. I, I felt that it was, you know, he could certainly 
um, do these things if I was doing being his hands for him, basically. Right. And, and had I, he been doing the same thing in public school, he would have been told that he wasn't successful. Yes. He would have mm. been behind the game. Right. And, exactly. Yeah. And so these are these are the outside the box thinking that you can mm -hmm. do when you're homeschooling. That's not conventional at all. Right. But but it, it can help your child succeed in a way that they never could in a public school setting. I totally agree with that. And I tell parents often, don't let the curriculum works for you. You don't work for yes. the curriculum. Absolutely. So if you've chosen a curriculum and there's something you like the curriculum overall, if you're using a curriculum, some homeschoolers don't use a curriculum and that's okay. Right. But if you're using one and you get to a specific spot or place in that curriculum and, and it's causing issues, but you don't want to dump the curriculum, they can do exactly what you did and modify it to fit their child, their family, allow the curriculum to work for you. Don't be a slave to your curriculum. Yeah, and even when you're going through the curriculum and they have the 180 days and they have mm -hmm. all of these things, do you know how many, you can probably tell me how many times a teacher actually finishes a workbook in school? Never. <laughs> <laughs> you do not have to do every single page of every single workbook. <laughs> yes, my husband would laugh at me um, because, you know, sometimes my old teacher habits will flare up and he'll be like, they're not in public. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh -huh. Uh -huh. it's okay it's okay if we don't finish all of this yeah. you know and, and that's and you're exactly right in public school you have to realize a large portion of the instructional day in public school is classroom management so there's lots of distractions throughout the day that the teachers have to go and deal with that the children aren't being educated right. it's just classroom management and then of course you have the fundraisers when you have to go sell the cookie dough and you have and you have these assemblies that you're attending. You know, there's a lot of a lot of dead time, what I consider dead time in public school where there's no education happening. It's just that this the school, the building is warehousing the children and they're there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's no instruction that's happening. And so, you know, I tell parents um, and I say this often on Free Your Children, when you homeschool, Every waking moment of every day is a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just because you're not sitting down working on curriculum or doing a worksheet or, you know, writing a paper, it doesn't mean that education is not happening. Right. So that's why it's so important, you know, for parents to really do some research into what they really believe education is and what they, you know, what they hope to accomplish, like we spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm, for sure. It's a mindset. Homeschooling is just an extension of parenting. Absolutely. Well, this has been wonderful. I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. I know our listeners have had their eyes open and have really um, been blessed by this. Now, tell us if you've mentioned your free, free the children, is it? It's called Free Your Children. Free Your Children. Is, uh -huh. Do you have a website? I do. I have a website, freeyourchildren.com where you okay. can find me there. My email is freeyourchildren at gmail.com. Okay. And, and then mention the radio program. Is that a podcast? It The radio program is actually aired on WXRQ 1460 AM every Thursday night at 8 PM central time after the show airs, then it's formatted as a podcast. And I have a Spotify uh, channel, which is for your children. So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, 
Spotify, all under Free Your Children. Wonderful. <laughs> all right. Well, well, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Yes. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Uh-huh. You too. Have a blessed day. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time. Thank you.